Is the two-state solution over? Israeli lawmakers have voted overwhelmingly to reject the unilateral creation of a Palestinian state, reinforcing a declaration adopted by the Israeli cabinet at the weekend, opposing the creation of a Palestinian state without direct negotiations between the two sides. It comes as negotiations for a ceasefire deal in exchange for the release of hostages, Israeli hostages, uh, seized on the October 7 attack. Israel insists that without it, a deal, it will launch a ground assault into Gaza's southernmost city of Rafa when the Muslim holiday of Ramadan begins on October 10th. Hani Nagi is Egypt's ambassador to Australia. I spoke to him earlier this afternoon. Good afternoon, Andy. Thank you for having me. Overnight, Israeli lawmakers voted to back Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's rejection of any unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. This week, he said ceasefire talks have met a dead end. Is this, in your view, effectively the end of a two-state solution? Uh, we have always to be optimistic, and the international uh, community uh, is standing up to uh, its uh, responsibility. And uh, there is a lot of international uh, resolutions from the United Nations, from the Security Council, reaffirming and uh, assuring that at two-state solution is, uh, is is the ultimate goal of any uh, negotiation. So, and Egypt's stand is always to have a two-state solution with East Jerusalem as the capital of uh, the Palestinian state. Israel is also insisting that to end the war, it must have total control of and shut down the Philadelphia Corridor, which spans pretty much the entirety of the border area between Gaza and Egypt. This is the only link with the outside world not controlled by Israel. Would uh, your government, the Egyptian government, agree to this? Uh, this needs to be uh, discussed uh, through the technical channels, and there is uh, certain agreements and treaties that govern such uh, issues. And um, we have seen that uh, Egypt established a very long uh, relation with Israel that exceeds four decades now. And uh, through uh, the peace treaty signed in 1979, we maintain uh, a stable and good relations. So there are legal frameworks that govern these issues. Of course, Israel has given Hamas the deadline of Ramadan, March 10th, to hand over the remaining October 7 hostages, or the IDF will unleash an offensive in Rafah. How concerned is the Egyptian government about this planned offensive? Uh, Egypt is categorically refusing any military operations in Rafah because uh, any uh, military operation in the Palestinian city of Rafah will further aggravate the humanitarian uh, catastrophe in Gaza Strip, uh, taking into consideration that Rafah represents the last safe area for the Palestinian people. Almost we are talking about 1.3 million displaced civilians who fled from the Israeli military operation in the rest of Gaza Strip and other uh, areas in uh, Palestine. Carrying any uh, military operation will constitute uh, contribute to all forms of displacement and eventually the liquidation of the Palestinian case, which is refused by uh, Egypt. And this is uh, a value that's shared by many international uh, organizations and uh, by uh, many countries across the world. 
And there is also responsibilities on Israel as occupying force. They should respect and follow the international law and the international humanitarian law as well. And Israel, unfortunately, continues to pursue a policy of deliberate obstruction of humanitarian assistance and relief to Gaza, despite the catastrophic situation there. If if you insist that Israel must follow international humanitarian law, wouldn't it also be true that Egypt um, should follow the same uh, laws and allow Palestinian refugees into safe uh, passage into into Egypt? It's the responsibility of the occupying force, uh, Egypt, from the onset of the military operation and the escalating situation in Gaza had been uh, cooperating. And uh, we are, uh, if if you have footage of the situation in uh, the crossing and Rafah border, you will see that there is flux of Egyptian trucks that would like to go to uh, Gaza. Uh, so they are hindered and obstructed by the Israeli uh, forces there. So uh, we are uh, respecting the humanitarian situation in Gaza, and we have provided... I have some numbers that I can share with you. Actually, since uh, till uh, I'm talking till February 20th, we provided 8,969 uh, medical supplies. We provided 6,935 tons of fuel. We provided 85,470 tons of uh, food. We provided 1,294 tents. We provided 95 ambulance vehicles. We keep uh, our assistance going to Gaza. Egypt is uh, carrying uh, the burden of almost 80% of these assistance that, of this assistance that's rendered to Gaza. Uh, we, so is, uh, your, is your government delivering, Your Excellency, is your government delivering that aid to prevent Palestinians from entering Egypt? Um, we are providing humanitarian assistance to, to show solidarity and to uh, follow the humanitarian law and uh, the values of uh, caring for the injured and civilians which is a humanitar- uh, uh, an international uh, thing to be respected. So, uh, unfortunately, the Israeli operations is not allowing uh, that. Israel should be also uh, providing assistance to Palestinians, being, carrying uh, its responsibility as the occupying force. These satellite images that I'm looking at of Egypt's border with Gaza appear to reveal Egypt's building of an enclosed area ringed with high concrete walls ahead of this possible offensive in Gaza. Is is your country expecting an influx of refugees in this area? What is this enclosure for? I refer you to the recent uh, statement uh, by His Excellency Samah Shukri, the Egyptian Foreign Minister, where he indicated that uh, we have fortification since a long time on the border, and what's going through now is the periodical check and maintenance for these fortifications. Uh, So uh, this is what we see through these satellite imagery. It's nothing that we are expecting that people will uh, flee uh, through Rafah crossing. 
On RN Drive, the Indigenous Ambassador to Australia, Hani Nagi, is here with me. We're talking about the deteriorating situation in Rafah at the southern end of Gaza. You mentioned earlier, Your Excellency, uh, long-standing agreements between uh, all parties in the Middle East, international law. Uh, earlier this week, the Associated Press reported that Egypt was threatening to tear up the Camp David Accords. This is obviously a key Israel-Egypt peace deal. If Israel goes ahead with the invasion in Rafah, would Egypt abandon this agreement in the event that Israel invades Rafah? I don't think these statements came through uh, official resources. And um, uh, uh, we never, I never heard it from official resources. And I believe the foreign minister addressed this issue. If you follow the international media, which I'm sure, Andy, you will find that this question had been answered by the foreign minister himself. Of course, the conflict isn't only confined to the Gaza Strip. Ongoing attacks on international shipping crossing the Red Sea by the Houthi rebels in Yemen have seen a 30% decline in traffic through the Suez Canal. What impact is that having on your nation's economy? Actually, Andy, is, uh, what, this is one of the ramifications that Egypt uh, warned against since the onset of the operations, because we, we warned that uh, the ongoing operation in Gaza will, uh, if it spreads, it will have uh, more grave consequences on the region. We've seen that in, in what's happening in the Red Sea and the influence of maritime navigation in the area. It doesn't only affect Egypt's interest, it affects the international trade, because this is one of the main roads of international maritime and shipping. Uh, of course, it, it, it has its impact on the Egyptian economy, and uh, we are trying to uh, deal with these uh, implications. Uh, but it's the responsibility of the international community as well to call upon Israel to... to uh, to deal with the situation in Gaza and Rafah in a different approach and and to follow its obligations as an occupying uh, force. Just lastly, Your Excellency, in the first ceasefire, Qatar uh, was credited as a key player in those negotiations. Uh, Egypt is also playing its role. Hamas chief Ismail Haniyeh is currently in uh, Cairo, your capital, for further talks. How soon can we expect another ceasefire deal to be agreed by all parties? And these are very technical issues that's been negotiated. And uh, we, from the beginning, we called on an immediate ceasefire and cessation of all hostilities taking place in, in the region, in that area in particular. And that will lead to uh, further understandings. And but we, as we are approaching the holy month of Ramadan, uh, the ceasefire is is uh, a prerequisite as well to uh, achieve some stability in the region. And uh, this is this is what we called uh, on from the for a while now. Egypt is heavily involved in the negotiation and consultation. Uh, so it's an ongoing process. Egypt also, uh, yesterday, uh, we presented our verbal argument to at the International Court of Justice on the request for an advisory opinion on the Israeli occupation of Palestine as well. Also, the, uh, our opinion 
that we addressed uh, a 75-year history of displacement, disposition, collective punishment and delay of uh, daily and discriminant and systematic violence and human suffering of untold uh, proportions by Israelis in uh, Palestine. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, Egyptian ambassador to Australia, Hani Nagi, I do appreciate your time, Your Excellency. Thank you, Andy, for having me. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.